Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. It has been a while since I've been able to record. I'm not going to lie. You know, I just had the baby and whatnot. Uh, Life has kind of been all over the place. But what a time to come back and record. The Cleveland Cavaliers close out a very, very good Dallas Mavericks team by the score of 113 to uh, to 110. And man, this team just continues to showcase its depth. My God, multiple performances uh, that deserve praise across the board, starting with Jared Allen, all the way through to the bench here with Karis Levert, who dropped in 29 and was very much needed in that second half, mind you. Um, you know, it wasn't just the players either. JB Bickerstaff. For those of you who are not fans of JB, this recent stretch without Darius Garland. And Evan Mobley, if this has not shown you how good of a coach that JB is capable of being, I don't know what the hell else to tell you. I don't know what the fuck you're watching if you're not impressed with the coaching that he's been doing during this stretch. The Cavs are now 5-1 and one since DG went down with the broken jaw. They are 6-4 and four since Evan Mobley went down uh, due to arthroscopic knee surgery. They're figuring out ways how to beat teams. And it's not just against the, you know, the, the lower seeded teams in the NBA. This was a pretty damn big win tonight. Yeah, Lord Luke says JB Bickerstaff flirting with the coach of the year award. Um, yeah, just a, a small stretch of games, right? Just a small portion of the season. But this deserves praise. A lot of people have been shitting on JB for a long time, especially after that woeful playoff performance. And I get it. You know, some of the criticism, just like with any player out there, right? Sometimes criticism is warranted. And that's okay. And that's acceptable. But the one thing that I've tried to strive to get across to people is that you can you can praise people when they deserve it, too. And during this stretch, JB has definitely warranted some praise. But let's dig into this game, shall we? Because at one point, Cleveland was down 20 points. Like, 20 points, I flirted with the idea of just turning the game off. But y'all know me. I'm the, you know, the the, the eternal optimist that I am. I'm going to see things through. I'm going to continue to remain upbeat. And luckily, the Cavs rewarded my optimism and positivity with a victory tonight. And I couldn't be happier. Like to see some of these performances, we'll talk about them one by one individually. But let's start with Jared Allen, shall we? 24 points, 23 rebounds. Yes, a 2020 game from our big and six assists. Over this recent stretch, I'm not sure if you guys are seeing this, but Jared Allen is putting in work and finding his teammates. And a lot of it is coming off of DHOs, right? He's setting guys up off of screens, um, off those dribble handoffs, but it's working. I love it. I absolutely love it. And he's been pretty efficient with his looks. 9-17 from the floor tonight, 6-6 six six from the free throw line, two steals. He's just giving you everything that you could want while also protecting the team, uh, protecting the rim. Right. An aggressive jaw is a scary man, as Noah Heritage says down here. Yes. And that's the one thing like people, especially after that Knicks series, that's the one thing that people are, are wanting to see from Jared Allen is the aggressiveness. It's it's very similar to people talking about um, Darius Garland. Right. An aggressive Darius Garland is an all star caliber player. An aggressive Jared Allen is an all star or at least fringe all star caliber big man. Especially in a matchup like uh, this against the Dallas Mavericks, where they're not exactly the biggest team out there. You know, they have some high flyers. You're talking about um, when you're talking about uh, what's his name? His name always escapes me off the off that bench. He's got he has a 48 inch vertical. Uh, Derek Jones, not off the bench. 
he's a high flyer, right? But case in point, Jared Allen, if he's aggressive, it's typically going to be a good game for the Cavs. It really is. Tuna Sports says 30-50 at one point in the second quarter and ended with a W, great bounce back against Luka and them. Yes. I mean, I was conversing with somebody uh, on social media, and I said, look, listen, I don't care if Luka gives you 60-plus. I don't care if he's just torching the Cavs. As long as the Cavs win, I don't give a fuck what Luka does. And that's exactly what happened tonight is Luka dropped 39 on us. And, it, you know, here's the thing right here. I don't like the, the people are on my timeline talking about, well, uh, Luca's cooking De- uh, Isaac Okoro and company. I'm, well, he's averaging 33 and a half points per game. He's literally second in the league in scoring. Nobody. I don't care if, you know, prime Scotty Pippen is out there. He's going to give people fits. That's just what Luca does. He's a scorer and he's going to score. He's going to get whistles. He's going to frustrate you on that. It, it just doesn't matter. It really doesn't. He's going to get his. The one thing is like for me, if you can contain Luca to a degree, and well, also acknowledge, understand that this dude is going to get his and limit his surrounding, uh, the surrounding talent around him, then you're probably going to be okay because we've seen big games from Luca where he still loses, right? And that's exactly what happened tonight. And that's exactly what I was trying to explain uh, to my guy on, on social media. But for me, man, I just could not be any happier with this team's performance up. In doubt. Yeah, Tom K says stars will get theirs, but 39 in a loss is meaningless. Absolutely. Now, I, if you flip flop this and we have somebody like Donovan Mitchell out there scoring 45 plus or something like that and we still lose, nobody cares about that shit. I post these stat lines every single game on the It's Cavalier um, Twitter page and people are literally getting pissed at me when I'm posting like uh, big games from our stars in a loss because they feel like it's just not worth posting. For me, you know, I'm going to post it anyways just because I like to be, uh, you know, if if I'm going to post the shit in the loss, I'll put, if I'm going to post the shit in a win, I'll post it in a loss too. But the point being, you know, like uh, like Tom K says down here, it's meaningless. Luca does not care. He scored that much against us. He wanted that W. And guess what? The Cavs did not oblige. They handed him a L, a, a, a pretty L that probably is bothersome considering that they were up 20 at certain points. Precision 85, good to see you, man. I don't think I've ever seen you in here. Let's go Cavs, complete team win. Absolutely loved it, man. Yes. Um, Let's move and shift gears here to a player who has deservedly so earned his praise, and that is Craig Porter Jr. My God, how is this motherfucker a rookie? Seriously, how is he a rookie? How did he go undrafted? There is literally nothing that this young man uh, can do, right? Even if you want to pick and choose some of the some of the deficiency, deficiencies in his game, which I feel like are few, far, and in between, i.e. his three-point uh, three shooting, he's still finding ways to beat you in just about every single category. He gives you some of the most unusual stat lines out there. Listen to this. Nine points, 12 rebounds. Keep in mind, this dude is 6'2". <laughs> he is 6'2". He's 6'2 and grabbing 12 rebounds, uh, dished out seven assists. He was 4 of 11 from the field. Again, just attempted 1-3, but you'll live with that because he's a mid-range assassin. He can get to the line, uh, you know, due to his aggressiveness. And he'll go out there and play some pretty damn good defense, too, despite being 6'2. So overall, 9-12-7 to go along with one block and three steals. What a weird stat line. But you will take that 100% from a 6'2 point guard. I 
I'm not going to get crazy here. I'm not going to suggest that we need to trade anybody because I know that's going to be the next question. Uh, you know, if these performances start to stack on, you know, stack and stack and stack, especially if the team continues to win in the absences of guys like Darius Garland. But what I will say is this, it might be time to have a conversation about minutes here, minutes distribution, because at full strength, I just don't know what the hell you're going to, how you can rationalize sitting this man. And I get it. Look, let's just point out the obvious here. Karis LeVert, the guy who also would be deserving of a large chunk of minutes, also was pretty damn good tonight, especially in the second half. He gave us 29 points and seven assists. But at the same time, what can you do here? Seriously, how do you divide these minutes up amongst so many guards? You have Darius Garland, you have Donovan Mitchell, you have Max Struess who will get minutes at the two at some points, you have Isaac Okoro, you have Karis LeVert, you have Craig Porter Jr. You have a lot of mouths to feed. A lot of mouths to feed. And don't get me wrong, this is a good problem to have, right? I'm not, by, by no means am I saying the Cavs have a problem here. Uh, you know, a, a bad problem rather, but never, nevertheless, it is something that they're going to have to figure out. Um, it, it is easy to say, as Tom K says down here, have to give CPJ real minutes at backup point guard. That is easy to say, Tom. But what isn't so easy is figuring out when those minutes come and how many he will get. Um, you know, Okoro, uh, you know, just to kind of tie him in here, he played 39 minutes tonight. That's not usually going to be the case, obviously. He'll probably stay around the 24 to 26-minute mark. Um, Karis Avert, you could probably pull from his a little bit, but he's also capable of playing really well himself. And Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are going to get theirs. So I just don't know how all of this is going to work out. This is without factoring in Sam Merrill, who is an absolute flamethrower, who will see minutes at the two-guard as well. There's just so many mouths to feed, so many deserving players. And I I do not envy JB at all. Uh, One thing we know about him is that he connects with these guys on a on a level that not many coaches I feel like are able to tap into. He has a connection with them. He he has established that pretty early on in his tenure with Cleveland. So hopefully he's able to kind of smooth over some of these things and have some some of those tough conversations that coaches sometimes have to have with their players and you know just tell some of them to be ready and that their opportunities could come at the drop of a hat. But no, you know, it's no question here. There are some tough questions that are going to have to be answered and some tough conversations that are going to have to be had. And unfortunately, some guy is going to be left out in the cold, right? Whether that is Sam Merrill, whether that's Craig Porter Jr., I really seriously hope not. Um, Karis LeVert, I don't know. There's a lot of different things to figure out here in regards to minutes distribution. Gold Houday says, remember when folks went to jog on after one playoff series? You You know that ain't me. Y'all know I was riding for Ja from you know from from day one, and, and let me let me correct myself here. Not Ja, J A. Let me make that distinction before people think I'm talking about Ja Moran. If you're not a typical listener here, um, I remember that. Yeah, after that playoff series loss, it, understandably people were frustrated because Mitchell Robinson outplayed our bigs. But it's just one playoff series, right? Most of the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers honestly lost as a whole. And for them to be able to come back this season and kind of play with a little bit more fire, right? Um, you just love to see it. And the one thing that the Cavs have this season that they did not last year, depth. 
That's one thing. The secondary thing is spacing, right? They have Max Struess, who is capable of bending defenses and p- pulling their attention and generating gravity. They have George Niang, who is not exactly, you know, he's he can be streaky this season. That's the one thing that I've seen with him. Um, he he's not he hasn't looked like his typical self the, from the consistency standpoint, but he is perfectly capable of garnering the defense's attention. Uh, not only that, but uh, you know he's capable of giving you minutes at the pack up power forward position, which frankly the Cavs just did not have available to them after letting go of Kevin Love last year, and so he he's been able to be a big uh, a big part of this team being able to stay afloat amid all of these injuries. And that's the one thing, like for me, for this team to be where they are, uh, you know, to be able to have won 18 games, despite missing so many games due to injury testament to the coaching. And so going back to, I forget who said it earlier, but you know, this, this is a credit to JB. This is a, this is seriously a credit to JB. And he might very well garner some coach of the year looks if this continues. Now, obviously, we still have a pretty long stretch to navigate without the likes of Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. But if you continue to see things like this, yeah, you're going to have to start putting more and more respect on his name. And, you know, I honestly, the, the, the slander, again, criticism is warranted at times, but you have to know when to praise people too when they deserve it. And that's the one thing that I have to say about J.B. Bickerstaff. I hope people are as loud in their praise as they were in their, uh, you know, in their criticisms of him. So I feel really good about that. Heading back to the game as a whole, though, <laughs> yeah, TuneIn says Niang smoked and free throws at the end. He did. It happens. We saw Craig Porter Jr., by the way, do that earlier this season. I think it was against was it against New York or Golden State. I can't remember. But we saw him do that earlier this year, too. Um, they're just getting minutes, good minutes from everybody, man. Even Amani Bates. Uh, I love that, you know, especially after that conversation uh, that we had the other day, uh, you know, with Amani. But, yeah, I feel like he was actually an energizer out there, and he only played six minutes. But there were six crucial minutes. They came at a point where they were definitely necessary. And he did something that we are not accustomed to seeing him do uh, because, uh, you know, frankly, he just hasn't been given enough opportunities at the NBA level. Right. And that is playmake. He dished out three assists tonight. He may have went over three from the field. um, And we all know he ain't gunshot. He's going to get them shots up, but uh, yeah. He playmaked tonight or playmate. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, he, he did something that you really like to see from him. And I think that is the one area where people are wanting to see the biggest improvement is his uh, abilities as a facilitator. So I love it. At the G League level, I've posted all his highlights. You guys can check those out at any time. But the one thing that you won't often see in those games is passing, right? Because he's in an environment where it's not exactly kind, <laughs> Uh, you know, to 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 team basketball. It's not the most team friendly uh, uh, arena to play in because guys are just trying to get their own. They're trying to make their mark. Um, so for Amani, the biggest area of growth for him is playmaking, and he did that tonight. I loved it. Uh, Dr. Call said Amani had some good passing. Reaper twenty three says hope and our main guys come back. JB still trusts the guys who carry us to wins when they're out. And honestly, dude, that's the tough thing as a coach, right? That's the tough thing. And that's what I, that's what I'm talking about when I say, um, 
you know, these are some tough conversations that are going to have to be had by JB. It's tough. I mean, what this really shows you is that this team has a lot more depth than we initially thought, right? Because there were some points in the season, especially at the, the, the guard spots, right? We're saying, hey, we don't have Ricky Rubio available. Ty Jerome has not been available but more than for more than two games this season. Um, and Karis Avertis really, at one point, was the one guy that people were confident in uh, relying upon as a reserve playmaker, right? But in the absence of Darius Garland, in the absence of Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro has stepped up as a playmaker, which is a fantastic development, something that he's always had in this game, dating back to uh, his time at Auburn, right? You could see that. He was definitely able to drive and kick, uh, posted some content on that a couple of days ago. Feel free to check that out. But it's not only been Okoro, right? Um, obviously, Craig Porter Jr., who has been elevated into the role as starter, damn capable of it, right? Love it. Yeah, I think he's listed at 6'2". He might be 6'1". I don't know. Uh, what's up, Jose? Uh, I see you coming through. Appreciate you, man. Um, but yeah, in the absence of Darius, in the absence of Donovan, we've gotten playmaking from unlikely sources, from Okoro, from Max Struess, who we know is perfectly capable of doing that, from Craig Porter Jr., um, you know, just from Jared Allen, of all fucking people. Jared Allen having seven assists in one game, having six assists tonight. Um, just not something that you typically would expect. So this team has kind of like coalesced and banded together in a time where many people were ready to throw in the towel, which for the love of God, I did never understood that. Like people ready to call it a season just because uh, we were, we were going to be without Darius Garland and, um, and Evan Mobley for a period of time for me. Like I, I never understood that because it was not like they announced these things to be season ending injuries. It was just, you know, they will be back at the mid season point. So I love it. Um, <laughs> love it, man. Um, Reaver 23 says props to DUA getting more confident with his shots. It's not just Dean Wade, man. It's Isaac Okoro too, but yeah, Dean Wade. I love it. Um, since he's been elevated into that starters role, he's obviously not going to provide you with Evan Mobley esque defense, but he's been very solid. Um, he gives you more spacing. We'll definitely give him that right. Dean Wade is shooting, um, haven't checked stat muse tonight. I'm not sure if it's actually updated. I guess I'll go ahead and do that now. Uh, but Dean Wade, man, he's actually shooting 38.1% from three-point distance this season. He's a good shooter. Obviously a better shooter than Evan Mobley, right? But that's the sacrifice you make. Um, Coach Reese, I ain't count them out, but I get what you're saying. Everyone did count them out. Uh, many people did. Cavs back at six in the standings. Love to see that. Tune in. I really, truly do. It's something that uh, a lot of people, frankly, probably did not see the Cavs being able to do. And the one thing after those injuries to DG and Evan that I was just continuing to say is like they don't even have to go on a huge run. They just have to keep pace in the East. As long as you can stay around that, you know, five to six, maybe even seven range. Uh, um, until at least one of those two guys came back, then they would be in a good place. And right now, you know, they've done that. And they've really done that. Five and one since DG went down, six and four since Evan Mobley went down. They've navigated this stretch very well. And, I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. There are some very tough games still left on the schedule, right? Um, they have a, a date with the Milwaukee Butts. On, uh, bu- <laughs> Milwaukee Butts, oh, my God. I'm going to catch Flacco for that one. Uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks 
on Friday, right? And they have a couple, they have at least four games against Milwaukee in the next couple of weeks, right? Especially in January. But these, this stretch is starting to, starting to feel really good, right? Some of these games that I kind of penciled in on my calendar is, hey, it's probably maybe a scheduled loss due to the lack of talent um, on a roster compared to what um, some of these other teams have. Some of these games that I thought maybe not so winnable have turned out to be wins. And it's because the team has come together as a whole and guys are stepping up and providing things that they don't normally or aren't normally asked to do. Absolutely love it. Um, Noah Heritage says, after the Bucks, we get a pretty nice stretch. Yeah, I haven't taken a look at the calendar as a whole. I see we have Milwaukee. We get Toronto. It should be an easier game. We get Washington. You guys, for, for any of you guys who didn't know, I actually live in D.C. now. I moved from Ohio. I, I, I live in the D.C. area, so I'll probably be going to that game. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go into any games where they have Washington in. I know that with the January games are probably going to be at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, but I know we have a game here in D.C. in February that I plan on attending if any of you guys are also out here in D.C. But you got Brooklyn, you got Chicago. So some winnable games up here. Uh, it, it's well, as winnable as they can be, right? Because there's, there are no givens in the NBA. Even the Wizards, who have only won five games this season, nothing is a given, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just a, a fantastic win tonight as a whole. N- not too many negative takeaways, if any at all. I guess the one thing that I can say, if I had to pick a negative tonight, is that I didn't love how open guys like Seth Curry were at certain points when you know he's a sniper, right? he's a damn Curry brother. So, you, you know, he was able to get contribute 19 off that Dallas bench and on just six of 11 from the field, five and nine from three point distance. And I often felt like many of his shots were not necessarily contained. I feel like the closeouts weren't there and they kind of just let him get some open shots. Uh, but overall, just not a lot of, not a lot of negatives here. If you're going to, if people are seriously upset that Lucas scored 39 tonight, I don't know what to tell you because his season average is 35 and a half, uh, 33 and a half rather. And he cooks just about everybody he plays. That's just the fact of the matter. So I don't know. Gohude says, I think they just underestimated anyone who was a Luca, which led to those shots. Yeah, I get it. I mean, when, when you let Lucas score 20 points, yes, that actually happened for anybody who didn't get a chance to catch the game. From the start, um, Luca actually scored 20 points in the first quarter alone. So, <laughs> you know, I get it. You're you're overcompensating at a particular point because Luca is just killing us. But uh, yeah, there are just not a lot of natives in this one, especially when you're so short-handed. You were without Darius Garland. You were without Donovan Mitchell. You were without Ty Jerome. Still, you were without um, Sam Merrill. A lot of faces, man. A lot of guys did not were were not in the building and, and dressed to suit up in this one. Doctor Claw seventy seven says Luca got locked in crunch time for the most part, so it's all good. The one thing that I will say, Doctor Claw, is I felt like Jason Kidd kind of missed an opportunity. I felt like he did let Lucas sit a little too long, and <laughs> that's that's a fuck up on his part. I don't care. I mean, it helped us obviously, but I did feel like. Luca kind of sat at a point where he probably shouldn't have. And I, and I get it. You know, he played a ton of minutes uh, in his 50-point game, so they didn't want him to necessarily over, be overextended. 
But yeah, I felt like that was a missed opportunity from Jason Kidd. Uh, Tune in says Luca thought he was cool doing all them flashy passes. <laughs> it's all right. I'll take the win. Me too, bro. I'll take it all day. Um, gritty, uh, just hardworking blue collar basketball. This Cavaliers team tonight. Just two guys in double figures in the starting lineup. That is Isaac Okoro, who finished with 22 on the night. If you had Isaac Okoro going for 22 points on your bingo card, uh, if you told me that before the game, I'd probably tell you that you're probably lying. I love Isaac. Didn't necessarily think he'd be in the 20s tonight uh, in this matchup because I felt like most of his injury in energy would be expended on the defensive end trying to manage to contain Luka and you know, obviously that was not the case. Luca got got his, right? He saw a litany of Cavalier bodies thrown at him, and it just didn't matter. But uh, I say all that to say, Isaac, man, 22 points, looking confident as ever as a shooter out there. That's the one area I feel like uh, people have been shitting on him about is his work as a as a as a shot maker. And he was four of seven from three-point distance tonight. Yes. Isaac Okoro took seven. He attempted seven three-pointers. You'd love to see it. Even if Isaac would have missed all seven of those, I still would have felt pretty good about his performance because he's confident enough to take them. There are still periods of time where I'm like, dude, you should have shot that. There were a couple of points tonight where he got the ball in the corners and he probably could have pulled because nobody's people are still not respecting him as a shooter, and I get it. But um, there are still points where I just wish he would pull. But I'll take the seven attempts because it shows that the confidence is there. So I absolutely loved it. Tom K, preach, man, preach. Okoro is so young. His potential was on display. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people still are not understanding. Isaac Okoro, at this point in time, he's still just 22 years old. Craig Porter Jr. is older than Isaac Okoro. And Isaac Okoro has been in the league four seasons now. I think people are still like forgetting how young this dude actually is. And there's still a lot of room for development here. And the one thing that we all have to acknowledge is like when they traded for Donovan Mitchell, the timeline kind of was expedited for players like Evan Mobley, for Darius Garland, for Isaac Okoro. The, the, the timeline was expedited in regards to development and it kind of stunted to a degree um, you know, players like Evan, players like Isaac, is that is that me saying it was a bad trade? No, it's just the fact of the matter because your the, the 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 developmental curve was kind of changed. It really was. That's just the fact of the matter, in my opinion. Uh, Reaper twenty three says you thinks it would make more sense if Madbacks comes from the bench and Akora and the starter unit when the main guys come back. I've seen this suggested a lot, honestly, Reaper. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the best idea, um, and I get why you might think so. And here's the thing: like, um, if we're getting the Isaac Okoro who's doing this on a nightly basis, he's he's taking seven threes, uh, he's making more of them than he misses, and he's still giving you high level defense. Yes, you have a case for it. But the one thing that we still have to keep in mind is that he's still not necessarily generating gravity. Defenses are still not paying attention to him. And they probably won't until he does this for a full season or at least a very long portion of during this season, right? If he did that and he had the volume and it was like five to seven triples attempted per game and he was making like 37, 38% of them while still giving you the defense, I would say maybe you have a case. 
because he 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 is capable of you know shooting the ball and he is a better defender than Max Struess. But by virtue of the fact that Max Struess generates a hell of a lot more gravity than Okoro, um, I still lean Max. Right, at least until you can get this consistently from Isaac Okoro. Um, is that a bad thing? No. Um, Isaac can change that, right? He can completely flip that narrative. Um, <laughs> as Tom K says, otherwise need Max's fearless shooting and two-man game with Bix. That is an area right there. You hit that nail on the head. He was even doing that a little bit tonight. Max Struess is um his feel for the game, especially when operating out of the DHO in uh, out of the pick and roll, his ability and the chemistry with Evan Moley and Jared Allen, that's something that is miles ahead of where Isaac Okoro is in that regard, right? And so he is a source of playmaking uh, that, you know, was not necessarily expected. So for me, I'm still going to lean towards Max, but I understand, excuse me, the rationale behind getting a couple of starts, depending upon the matchups, with Isaac Okoro at the three. So I get it. And if he continues to do this in the absences of uh, Donovan, in the absences of Darius and even Evan, you might make me, you might be able to make a case for it. So I understand it. I get it. Uh, and I know that that question is not going to go away anytime soon, especially as, I mean, let's just not mince words here. This is a career year or a, a contract year rather for, Isaac Okoro. So there is a lot on the line for him because there's money involved, right? He is an RFA, a restricted free agent, and the Cavs are going to have to make a tough decision on whether or not they're going to want to uh, go above and beyond to resign him, especially if it continues to play like this. Because some team, especially if it continues to do these types of things, some team will throw an offer sheet his way. And that was the one thing, you know, heading into these contract negotiations this past offseason with Okoro, that was the one thing that I was a little worrisome of once the deadline passed, right? It was, what if Isaac has a career year? And what if some team out there just decides to fuck with us and throw him a huge offer sheet or an offer sheet that is a little bit larger than we feel comfortable with matching? Because they're, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves here. There are a lot of people who are fully ready to get rid of Isaac Okoro and just felt like his value was non-existent to this Cavs team. When I just sat here and, and said to myself a lot of the time, like, if that is your takeaway in regards to what he provides, I, I really understand. I, I just don't understand your line of thought, right? Clearly, he's not what you thought he would be as a fifth overall pick, but he still provides a ton of value. That's me. I don't know. That's conversation for a different day. But uh, to just to tie a bow on that question, yeah, I think you still have to go with uh, Max Struess just because he is a he is more of a floor spacer, especially when you need that to be the case when you're trotting out two seven footers who still are not viewed as shooters. Um, and and that's just the reality of it to me. Lord Luke says, "Do you think we can still play this type of team ball once we get healthy?" I think that's the question that's on everybody's mind, Luke. Um, Donovan Mitchell, right? Um, love the guy, but sometimes he can be uh, accused of being a ball stopper and playing, you know, hero ball and just not being a team player. 
I don't necessarily believe those things to, you know, their full extent, but I do, I do recognize there are points in which Donovan is not always trusting of his teammates, guys like Isaac Okoro, who are, you know, when he's not able to get the ball or bring the ball up or facilitate or things like that, they often ask Isaac to kind of just stand in the corners, you know, and cut and, and play off ball, right? Things of that nature. And it's understandable because you don't not want the ball in Donovan or Darius's hands if they're available. But at the same time, you do have to be able to trust your teammates. And I feel like that has been kind of a gripe uh, with Donovan is that he's not always willing to put his trust in, in, in his in his team, right, and, and allowing them to help Donovan. So I don't know, man. I really hope we can. I think it's possible, but – Everybody has to buy in. And I think that that starts with the backcourt duo of Darius and Donovan, because there are still portions of the season in which we see those two not quite on the same page. Um, we see might we, we might see Darius have a big game and then Donovan just doesn't look right. Or we see Donovan have a great game and Darius just doesn't look like he can, you know, keep the ball uh, in his hands. He's turned the ball over, things of that nature, or he can't shoot. Um once they put it all together, I think it's certainly possible. And, and the one thing, if nothing else, what this the, what this stretch is is showing us is that this team is deep, and that JB does not have to play eight man rotations. Um, even I, you know, a big big JB supporter, even I can admit that the the eight to nine man rotations at points, usually just eight, right? Even I can admit that that shit pisses me off, and I know that this team has a lot more to offer than just eight rotation players, right? There are legitimately at least 10 to 11 different guys on that uh, on that roster that deserve rotation minutes, and that's up to JB to figure shit out, right? And so I, I don't know. I guess that's <laughs> – I know that's not really an answer, but uh, that's how I feel, right? I, I, I don't know. I hope so, but uh, – that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Tom K says draft position can be forgotten after year one. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that. I think that it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that was in reference to a Coro. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I I can't say enough good things about tonight. In SPR eight says I'd rather scrap like this and win than put it in the hands of eight when our bench is this deep. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing that now. And I think that JB's eyes, you know, if they were not open to that before, are open now. So now you literally have 10 to 11 guys you can turn to so that you're not burning out your starters. You can turn to Karis Levert. You can turn to George Niang. You can turn to Sam Merrill. You can turn to Tristan Thompson. You can turn to Craig Porter Jr. You can turn to Isaac Okoro or Dean Wade because none of those guys that were listed are likely to be in the starting rotation once we return to full strength. And that is a lot of names I just reeled off. I'll say it again. You have Isaac Okoro. You have Dean Wade. You have George Niang. You have Karis LeVert. That's already four guys right there. You have Craig Porter Jr. That's five. You have Sam Merrill. That's six. You have Tristan Thompson. That's seven. There are literally that many players that are deserving of minutes on this Cavs team. If that don't tell you how deep this team is, frankly, I don't know what will. Uh, I guess I'll close out tonight by saying I, I'm very proud of this team. 
I know a lot of people sometimes find me a little bit too optimistic, but teams like tonight, oh, not teams, games like tonight are exactly why I am optimistic. They really are. You know, I, I recognize the fact that we're not going to win every game that we play. That's just the reality of team sports. You will not win really sports in general. You're not going to win every game. You're not going to go undefeated, especially when you play 82 games. This NBA is way more competitive than it's been probably in my lifetime. Um, you know, I'm not that old, but I'm not that young either. I'm 30 years old. And this, this, there's a lot of parity in the league. And so I see the competitiveness. But for me, seeing a win like tonight where this team absolutely just put it together when it counted and, uh, you know, made a ton of contributions up and down the roster, it's exactly why I feel so optimistic about this team. That said, like I always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to me, you know how. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and I will send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. Have a good night.